High Expectations! Hello. Hello. This is an early Sunday afternoon and Ellen and I have just had brunch and we've come to join the wonderful Jaslyn to talk about Definitely Maybe, which is a rom-com and it's very problematic because we like to dissect problematic films. Is it problematic? Problematic to a degree, yep. Totally. Oh, Kathy didn't tell me that. It's actually one of my favourite rom coms. Oh, I enjoyed it. Bit. I totally enjoyed it. The idea of it is that we meet Ryan Reynolds, who's the main star of it, and he t- picks up his daughter from school. She's just learned about sex. And then she asks him, How did you and my mum meet? Because they're getting divorced. And he says, Well, there's a lot of sex involved, there's a lot of other people involved, it's a complicated story. And he tells her the story, but the point of the film is that we don't know which one the mother is. There's three women who he's involved with, and neither does his daughter, who's played by the annoying actress from Little Miss Sunshine. (laughs) The three women that he gets romantically entangled with are Isla Fisher, the most beautiful woman in the world, Rachel Wiz, and Elizabeth Banks, who's also in Pitch Perfect. Do you mean Isla or Rachel is the most beautiful woman in the world? Both Because <laughs> you put that in between the They're names. competing for it. Oh, I see. Rachel Woods. Nah, I, Isla's I amazing. Isla. I, I love her hair and her face. She was my fave. Yeah. yeah, she's the she's also really kick ass in this film. And they're all like quite distinctly different. And he yeah, he basically just tells their story. I don't know what's really good about it or really appealing about it. How did you approach this film? How how many times have you seen it before? What impressions did you have of it? Was it your first time viewing it? Was it just get into it? Jasmine. I've seen it twice. Oh wow. I saw it for the second time the other night when I needed something to watch and Alan said why don't you watch Definitely Maybe? We can talk about it on the podcast. And so I did. I didn't remember watching it. But as I started to watch it, some things started to fall into place in my memory. And I said to Alan, have we watched this film together before? <laughs> she replies, definitely maybe. That's fine. But I enjoyed it as a rom-com, but I feel like it didn't go the way that I wanted it to go, which is oh. maybe, maybe good for a rom-com that's not so predictable. That was my first time watching it. Um, I really got quite attached to the character that Isla Fisher plays because I liked how she was quite quirky and her wonderful collection of Jane Eyre's appealed to me. She was very whimsical. She was very whimsical. That sort of says a lot about me. I felt like they had the best chemistry, actually. I'm glad what happened at the end happened. Are we allowed to say spoilers? I guess we're talking about it. People, You know, spoilers in the title, really. I'm glad they ended up together in the end and oh, I don't know you know I really I really enjoyed the film because Alan was homesick from work and we just wanted something to watch that was light hearted and Alan was knitting and it was a great time it was a perfect setting and she's being very silly right now with her plaits and <laughs> so that was really satisfying and it was fun you know like oh, you know what I really enjoyed actually is seeing what's Abigail Breslin's character's name his daughter anyway I'm seeing his daughter's reactions Laura, seeing the way that she went about it it's <laughs> Maya there we go <laughs> Pick a random woman's name. Laura. She was fun. I think, I know you find her annoying, Ellen, but I really enjoy her acting. I think she's bright. You were, what's the man version of slut? (laughs) You smoked? Oh, I think she was cute. She's very persistent, though. Anyway, so that was nice seeing their relationship. I liked that. That was like the focus of it, which was cool. I just didn't, I guess I just didn't really like the fact that, you know, he felt like he could go between the three of them and be like, you know what? 
I'm gonna just try and see if this one works. And now that this one doesn't work, I'm gonna go back to this ex-girlfriend. And then, oh shit, this one's come back. Yeah, but they all had, it's kind of like, you know, the L word where they have like the web. Like they all had their own stuff going on as well. So maybe it's just. Like all three of them all had boyfriends or cheated on him at some point in the film. That's actually right. So maybe I'm just annoyed at the fact that it was through his eyes. (laughs) Is that silly? No, that's fair enough. Because it's like, it's aimed at women, but there's a male lead. It's like, imagine if it was all through like Isla Fisher's eyes. That would be so great. An idea for a sequel. I just realised that I was wrong in what I said before about it's not going the way that I thought it was going to go, Mm. which is true, but the ultimate ending is the obvious ending. Oh, yeah. Well, not obvious ending, but the obvious one it ends up with. That's really weird because I feel like every single time I watch it, even though I know it's obvious, I'm still satisfied and I'm still surprised. And that's why I like Mm. this film, I think. He does have separate connections with all three of them which I think you can kind of identify with in your own relationships like I think his relationship with Elizabeth Banks is like we're perfect but there's something missing mm-hmm. and then with Rachel Wiz it's <laughs> <laughs> Summer as she's called in the film it's like a real intense sexual connection right is it? but then yeah like they're hot for each other you know that oh, scene where yeah. they're like both doing their work and they're like we can't keep doing our work because we're just going to bang each other yeah it's true like yeah. I think that she's very sexy and and the implication of her she's a seductress like that's the idea of her role I reckon yeah you know she's seeing that like sexologist dude but I, suppose, I don't know though because she's also like smart and true. perceptive and cunning I think there's more to her character. Anyway, I, just... I hadn't finished. <laughs> and then and then with Isla Fisher, it's like they have that spark there. They have that they friendship. And they're like, oh, but we should stay just friends. You know, so it's kind of like, it's like three rom-coms in one. It's like you could have three right. different rom-coms true, with every true. single character. Mm. Maybe I said it was two-dimensional and... just because of the fact that when he's comparing the three of them, those are the things that come up. As in, like, he notices the differences. And so... Does this make any sense? And he's yeah. kind of like, what do I want, right? It's yeah, just kind of like yeah. a life roulette in a way. And it's, it's distracting and confusing, and it's easy for him to write off other characters. And that's why it takes, you know, that's why he ignores Isla Fisher's character for so long, because he's yeah. like, April, her name is, because, oh, but she's just a friend. Do you feel like then the ultimate message is that having a friendship with your lover is the ultimate? That's sort of the ultimate in most rom-coms, like when Harry met Sally... We watched that one recently, like, Friends with Kids. Basically, that was just about, like, if you have a really good friendship, yeah, then you're going to have a lot of chemistry, which isn't necessarily true. No, it's not. Pride and Prejudice is basically like that. Like, they have a great rapport. Like, yeah. the way that they... they it's do. not necessarily a friendship, but the way that they bang off each other <laughs> is, like, bang off each <laughs> other. So there sorry. you go. They match each great. other. Great. I'm going to go home. Um, no, they do. They totally understand each other on that deep level. And I, think, I think that's the idea, right? Like, you got to have a bit of friction, and you got to have that kind of, like, teasing relationship and that rapport, and then that always makes, like, the ultimate rom-com relationship, right? Isn't that Benedict and Beatrice, essentially. Absolutely. Isn't that you, though, that said you've got to have a little bit of friction in there yeah, to keep, sure. it, keep it interesting? Or to keep you've got to have a little bit of friction. Keep that way you can make up with each other and build. Which leads me on to another point I want to bring up. It's a report. Emily. Hello, after, Emily. After oh, hi, Emily. Emily. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a character in the film. Okay. <laughs> no, you're right, Kathy. That was the correct Emily. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Here we go. Oh, that Emily. So yeah. Jason's friend, oh. our friend. Yeah. There's also a character called Emily. Yeah. Is there? Yeah. Oh. Elizabeth Banks. She's called Emily. Is she. Wow. Yeah. Oh. 
Oh, wow. Okay. After I watched the rom-com, I told her that I just watched this rom-com, and she says, a good podcast topic could be how destructive rom-coms are for women's self-identity and for relationships. Thanks, Emily. That's awesome. I don't want to talk about my favourite rom-com and talk about how destructive it is. Well, I questioned her upon this afterwards. Because I think there is a a danger with rom-coms. Oh, yeah, totally. People, like this one particularly, he was about to propose to Emily. He had the ring even. Mm. And then that night, he's off with April, who we just met. And and suddenly she's the one he he should always be with. And so I think rom-coms can promote this mindset that the right one for you is not necessarily who you're with right now and you should just fly off with this random person you just met that night and change your whole life because they're the one for you really and like given to the lust and not what I think the problem with rom-coms is that yeah it's like the it's very cut and dry isn't it there's always that one that you're meant to be with I'm kind of thinking of my probably my ultimate rom-com is you've got mail oh yeah it's great and you've got mail is very much like the modern pride and prejudice except it's not modern because they're using really old messaging services and they're in bookstores which no longer exist thanks Amazon (laughs) (laughs) that is that is a pretty contention (laughs) but the whole film is basically about like independent bookstores and how they can't exist versus like major bookstores yeah which is that's still a thing which is so much yeah Mm. it's such a thing but but now it's like bookstores can't exist against massive internet corporations like Amazon I a huge podcast about this just, anyway, yeah, I'm man. talking about a rom-com right now, so shush. But basically, the, I, the whole thing that you've got mail is she's in a relationship with somebody and it's not right. He's in a relationship with somebody and it's not right. And then their other partners find someone else. And then they find each other. And rom-coms are very straightforward in that way. It's the, oh, you're with the wrong person, but then the right person's there all along. What is the right person? not real life. The only other thing I was going to add is that I think that's what definitely maybe has over some rom-coms because he does have that sense of confusion and you don't know where it's going to go. Good point. Like, yeah, I right. think I think we mm. are kind of his Maya. Well, you know, obviously, the viewer is Maya because we're like, which one is he going to pick? Like, he has these interesting, unique connections with these other people and he's very confused about it. And mm. it, one connection cancels out the next. And and that's very much realistic, I, I think. I think so, too. I think. I mean, not that you necessarily have a whole bunch of people on the go, but I think that idea that one person isn't really ever enough and you can always have more and that's the human condition to always want more from the people that you're with. Because not one person can ever give you anything anyway. Yeah, one person can't give you everything, you know? That's why we have family, why we yeah. have friends, why we have other mm. connections. Definitely. And I think, definitely, maybe, perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> has that going for it. But then possibly. it kind of ties up all neatly at the end, so it's like you cast off at the end. You and... cast off. Oh, <laughs> call back. Lingo. Yeah, I think it's more realistic that way too. I like that. It's not clear cut. And there's no explanation past that casting off point after the happy ending ever after as well, which is pretty nice. Well, I was just going to comment on the fact, the, the idea of being with the right person. Like, surely that just depends on circumstance and timing, the time of your life that they come along. Also, like, what you want, because that can change as well. And you can tell when someone's right for you, though, definitely. But I feel like there's not one right person for you. Like, you can make something right as well. Like, you can you can compromise and you can navigate the relationship and figure out if you can make it work. I don't think someone's entirely perfect for you, though. You know? I just think that's unrealistic. Or is that a really negative view of looking at relationships? I don't know. No. It's not negative. It's realistic. Okay. I guess I'm just... 
yeah, I'm usually in an idealistic space, so that's to say that sort of thing. That's why I'm thinking it's negative. You have to just figure out what you what what your priorities are and what you need as well, and whether yeah. someone you're with matches up to that, or people you're with match up to that. You know, would the perfect partner be too boring? Well, what would that mean though? Like maybe they wouldn't because then they'd fulfill you in the ways that will keep you paper. interested. Oh yeah, often the perfect partner on paper is is completely. It doesn't. You don't have chemistry with them. Like you, it, it just doesn't match up. But the people who you have that incredible passion for, like that magnetism with, you know, it's fucked up in some way. Like there are some huge hurdles you have to get through because it doesn't often work practically. It's kind of like the thrill of the chase. Sometimes some that you mm. might be interested in but isn't totally right for you. Yeah. You really have to like work to get into their life somehow and get their attention and kind of not necessarily win them over but make them aware of you and yeah so it's like the idea of it what you might be offered to their life and rather than this perfect partner just suddenly knocking on the door one day and be like I'm here for you for everything well then do you feel like because you've made all that effort with the first circumstance that it feels more fulfilling in general or it feels better for you you know, like you've worked so hard to make it work that yeah, surely. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but I think, yeah, as much as the fantasy is that the right person for you just knocks on the door and you're selling a relationship, is would kind of feel like it was too easy. I've had that before, yeah. where I've had someone who I ended up dating just came and sat down next to me and said hi. Wow. And suddenly we were just talking and it never stopped. And I used to complain about to Alan at the time that this felt too easy. Mm. I wonder if that's because wanted. you've been influenced by all these stories out there, though. Like, you see all this in the media, and they show you all these obstacles you have to go through. Yeah, um, I kind of feel like definitely maybe is the film version of How I Met Your Mother. Oh, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that we really like that story because it's all about the journey and not about the destination. So, like, we're True. there for the ride. And that's point. fun. Like how, yeah. And so that thing you're saying about like, the perfect partner just sits down opposite you, which does sometimes happen in life. Would be yeah. so boring. We're watching like, it on the screen. It's a destination, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And we find the journey more realistic. We expect the journey. So that's what you were saying, right? right? Yeah. We expect it. It should be challenging because anything that pays off in life, we have to work hard for. That's yeah. our yeah. process. When the when the mother is revealed, I was annoyed because like it's not who I wanted to be the mother. <laughs> And then she didn't need to be the mother, she just needed to be his lover later on. Yeah, because the point of the film wasn't really like the mother's going to be the love of his life. It was no. that the mother's going to be the person who's divorcing, so it's not right with her. So the mother could have been any of the three, really, yeah. except for the one that you'd want to be, he'd want them to be with in the end. Of course, because I don't pay attention properly when I'm watching films, it didn't occur to me later on that the mother who I want to be the mother is someone who's divorcing. Yes. So I, I should not want it to be Isla Fisher. Yes, True. exactly. Yeah. What about that? Yeah. You have this book that she's been searching for, and you know he's obviously going to find this book when she tells him all about the book. Yeah, exactly. It was, <laughs> what's that event called? Oh, there's probably like a movie term for that where it's like that setup that's obviously going to be the plot point. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when he gets this book, he knows he's, he's got the winning card. I think it's called a McGovern or a McGovern or something. <laughs> it's like the McGovern. thing in the film that everyone wants. But I guess that's not quite, doesn't really quite fit that that theme. But it's kind of like that. It's like this object that everybody, that the main people and the main players in the film need to find. Right. So when he gets this bike, yeah, he goes to play his winning card and get her back and win her love. But Kevin. But Kevin is there because it's 
not the right timing, so he walks away with it. Right? And he walks away with it, which is so frustrating. It's like, but your friendship, but all of your history, like, you know how much that book means to her, and you... Okay, so the story of the book is that Isla Fisher collects Jane Eyre, and she collects Jane Eyre because her dad gave her a copy of Jane Eyre for her birthday and wrote a beautiful note in the front. And then, but she wanted something completely different and didn't really care about the gift until she lost it and then her father died. And she knew that it would have incredible sentimental value if she still had it. Mm -hmm. So because of that, she's always buying Jane Eyre books, trying to fulfill that need to find that original one and also creating this nice collection, something quirky and interesting, right? About Mm -hmm. her, because she's quirky and interesting. She likes Nirvana. Mm She hates marriage. Yeah, but then he, of course, he finds the book with the right inscription to, it's like to April, you know. The book has just huge significance and huge sentimental value for that character, but he doesn't give it to her and he waits for years before he tells her about it. Selfish man. And then it almost blows up in his face because she gets angry that he didn't give it to her. Which Kathy didn't see coming. She was like, He's, she's going to leap into his arms right away. And I'm like, maybe, definitely, maybe. <laughs> True. I didn't think about that too much, did I? I'd be very angry too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you would be. It makes sense. Cause yeah. Because she could see that he was using it as a tool to win her, uh-huh. win her love and yes. was holding it hostage. So did you both find the film enjoyable? Yeah, I did. Because I love it. Every time I watch it, I still love it. I did enjoy it. Oh, and then I really like Anna Fisher. <laughs> mm-hmm. Obviously, oh, Confessions of a Shopaholic. I think so. Oh, that one's really great as well. Yeah, it's got Isla Fisher in it. But it's not a rom-com that I could watch more frequently. I, I would need to forget that I've seen it again to really get the effect, I think. Yeah. I don't need that. I do watch it so many times. I don't know what it is about it. You're a rom-com fanatic. That's, That's not true. true. Which leads us to rom-com genre. Oh, you're looking at the stuff I've written down. Well, I, th- I think that what Emily was asking was quite a critique of the rom-com genre. And I was just like, I don't know, spitballing. I'm thinking we could kind of talk about how we feel about it yeah. as a genre. Mm, totally. I wanted to mention that I take an interest in writing, obviously. And so what I've noticed is a trend with podcasts that talk about writing is a lot of the podcasts are about romance novels mm. and trying to get rid of the stigma that surrounds romance novels because most romance writers are women, very successful. And so they're saying, like, you know, this is actually a genre that we should actually be paying attention to because it's, it's really grabbing with audiences. It's very commercially mm. successful. But in terms of having a, a great status in terms of being literary, mm-hmm. romance is right down the bottom of the pile. Mm. Do, do, you, do you understand what I mean? Like the, that Mills and Boone, it's considered yeah. like crappy and, and you might, you're made fun of yeah. for reading romances. Probably. It's something you should be a bit ashamed of. You know, the Fifty Shades of Grey kind of thing. But it's such a feminist movement then, in that case, if a lot of female writers are getting quite far with romance You could definitely writing. argue that. It's a genre in which mostly women read it, so it's about 80% women read romance novels, yep. and most of the writers are women as well. I, I actually cool. can't think of a single time I've heard of a romance author being a male. Mm. And there's lots of different subgenres within romance as well. Like you could have historical romance. Medical romance. Yeah, you see, you could go so many <laughs> different ways with it. Yeah. And, but every time people keep coming back to these books and they're huge and you can make yourself a really big name online. And I think the romance genre and writing has parallels with the rom-com genre and films. Oh, and rom-coms are incredibly, inc- and rom-drams, incredibly popular, mm-hmm. but also have a huge stigma. 
And I personally love rom-coms, mm-hmm. and I consider myself an intelligent feminist woman, yeah. but there's something about rom-coms that get me, and it's like, it's it's definitely not about unpredictability, they're super predictable every single time, and I think that's something that makes me come back to them. It's And the films that make me come back to them are about how much I can love the characters together, or their story, or the way they play off each other, and the Isla Fisher character and Ryan Reynolds together... Those, even though Ryan Reynolds has a stupid pretty boy face, stupid, <laughs> stupid Deadpool face, something about the way they fire off each other makes me come back for more every time. You know, I'm made fun of for my love of rom-coms, but, and we, and it's that thing that Emily said, that thing like, but they give women unrealistic expectations of relationships. Do they? Well, I feel like you like mm. that sort of relationship because that's what you crave in your own life. I disagree. I don't watch it because I'm like, I want that. Because I know no, I'm never going to have that. No but, no, but you're talking about the banter and like the way they play off each other. That's yeah, how you I like work the in a banter, relationship. Yeah, I like though, the so banter where they play off each other. I get, I agree with that. Mm. But I think like the way that they meet and the way that their their stories play out. Oh, okay. I was I'm talking not, about with the relationship rather mm. than the journey. But yeah. yeah, I don't seek that out in my real life. I don't think it gives me unrealistic. I think it just makes me feel good. Yeah, it's because, just oh, fun and entertaining, yeah, yeah. and I don't know. Because the story, the story set up. You know, there are magical moments in life, absolutely, all the time. But <laughs> all of those things lining up within a film um, is very unrealistic, anyway. So how could you possibly be looking for that in real life? Yeah, yeah, but it does happen. Like I've met a couple of friends where, when I, when I think back about how we actually met, I feel sad in a way. Cause I think this would have made a great rom com setup. Things cool. they had to fall into place to actually meet them. That's what it's called. Me and Kathy yeah, had a meet cute. We, did. <laughs> we met in a bookstore. Kathy was working in the bookstore, and I'm like, I know you through friends and through university. And we went from there. Mm-hmm. We had meet cute. Meet cute. Yeah, I've had meet. I've had some definite meet cutes. Yeah. What I want to bring up with Alan yes. was about the romance novels and being primarily female written. Yes. Was, do you know who wrote Definitely Maybe? Mm. No, I do not. Would you like to guess? Whether it was written by a female or a male, I don't know. I want to say male because the Ryan Reynolds character is quite strong, but I'm I'm not sure at all. I could it could actually go either way, and I wouldn't. I'd be like that makes sense. I don't know who wrote it. Definitely, maybe was written by Adam Brooks. What? What? Whoa! That oh. makes sense because it's like a man. Like the the male protagonist is very strong. And also, he doesn't try to take on a female protagonist, mm. which mm. I don't really like it when men take on female protagonists as much. It's like, oh, it's just not believable yeah. because you kind of do. I know this is going to sound really controversial, but I feel like men struggle to get into a woman's experience because it's so hard to understand being a woman yeah. if you haven't lived as a woman a lot of, a lot of the what time. What about the other way around, though? Oh, women are great. Is it because they, <laughs> they it's in general, you know, it's stereotypically known that female energy, like, embraces emotions more, so they're able to understand that more, which makes for a more believable character? Is that why? More emotionally in tune, so that's why they can write any genre of char- characters and have it be believable, whereas... I think so. Masculinity has all those obstacles in terms of emotional understanding. I'm sure you're right, I just think it's because women are fascinated with men. <laughs> and they're just like they're always just like thinking like what makes them tick why do they do that okay. like women always have these conversations like why are men like that I don't get it yeah do you know what I mean yeah like yeah. maybe men have those conversations but I really don't think they do I don't think they're like don't. I think they're just like bitches be crazy I don't know why yeah, who cares right. but I think women are like why do they do that like and we're always saying like you know like they're not the reason why they have trouble talking about their feelings with me is because they're not encouraged to be you know oh, yeah. about their feelings that's what I was getting at 
Oh, is it? Okay, so yeah, I totally well, yeah, agree. And, and that's why, yeah, it's more believable. Mm. Oh, so you're like that emotional intelligence that, like, actually yeah. really thinking things through. Was I not clear? Empathize. No, I. That's I, uh... no, it's good. No, we're on the same page. It's awesome. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah, definitely. And also, women have a hard time understanding that men sometimes are not thinking at all. That's right. Yeah. And so, because women's brains are constantly buzzing with like analyzing data that's coming in. The men are just sitting there literally thinking nothing. Mm. Where, are the, <laughs> where are the queer rom coms though? I just want to say. Are they oh my god, there? there's one. There's one. I feel like there's one. Oh, and it's. Um, Why? This movie, and you, I do, I think about today and night. It's only right. Oh, it's one. named after that song. You and me? Me and you or something? Yeah. Um, remember? Oh, me, me and you. I can't remember. Yeah, that one, that's right. Yeah, However, the British one. Oh, that's the only queer rom com, no, in my opinion. Me and Imagine me and you. Imagine me and or you. Or imagine you and me or something. Yeah, that was yeah. fun. You liked it, didn't you? I do like that one, but it's kind of ridiculous. What's well. the one that was on Netflix that had there's a rom com with the trans woman? Oh, I think it's like Boy Meets Girl or something. Boy Meets Girl. Ooh. Is that, is that a rom com? No. That's a young it adult is. book. Oh, okay. I think it's also, I think it might have some queerness in it as well. Like Awesome. But anyway, so this leads me to my um, follow up question with Emily, where I said, why do you think? They are destructive. I said, is it the, the fallacy that the one that got away is more important than your current love and worth living for? And she replied with, one, obvious, unrealistic relationship status. Two, single equals unhappy. Right. And relationship is happy. Right. Oh, yes, that's terrible stereotypes. Yeah. And most rom-coms aren't written by women and follow boring, cliche storylines. Interesting. But it's kind of the, the cliche storyline that we want. Because we, we, we watch it and we know how it's going to end up. I'm definitely there for the cliche. And we want to see that end up like that. Yes. And when they hit the inevitable obstacle, you know it's going to get cleared up eventually. And you have that brief window of frustration where maybe it won't. And In fact, bad. the more cliche, the better. My favourite role comes to Catherine Heigl. Catherine Heigl always plays like the lonely, uptight, single woman mm-hmm. who meets this like wisecracking man who she initially starts out thinking is scum and then ends up loving by the end of the film. Watch a Catherine Heigl film no, basically so every single time. Except for the one... They're always like this super hyper-masculine mm-hmm. douchebag. Yep, except for the one she was in with and Lexus Fidel. And it's hilarious. Oh, yeah, that one was so bad. Jenny's Wedding. Jenny's Wedding. Jenny's Wedding. Jenny's Wedding is not a good film for anyone out there. You're like, it's Catherine Heigl. It's Alexis Bledel. It's going to be great. It's great, right? But the chemistry is not there. Well, first off, Alexis Bledel. She's gorgeous. Do you agree with me, Jasmine? Like, come on, even in Gilmore Girls, Alexis Bledel doesn't have chemistry with her. She's just so poised. I don't feel like she's white wine. I do Alexis Bledel is. She plays Rory Gilmore. Golly. I would yeah. agree with what you said. I never believed she her has relationship. Terrible chemistry relationships. on screen. Yeah, yeah. Those kissing scenes are like, oh my god. And the absolute worst is Jenny's wedding. See, Catherine Heigl can be hot. They're like laying in bed together, and she's like stroking her stiffly, around. like stroking her arm. Yeah, no, Sorry to like do an impression. Yeah, no one can see us. I appreciate it. I think the impression you're not talking about. I watched seven seasons of Gil, almost seven seasons of Gilmore Girls. I had no idea her name was Alexis Bledel. Ah. I don't pay attention. Oh, because I always fast forward the opening music. And Lauren Graham plays Lorelai. I know who she... I know Lauren Graham. Whenever the song starts, I don't want to hear it every time, so I fast-forward the whole intro. Oh. I hear it occasionally. <laughs> I always listen to it and sing along. <laughs> that's, that's, the, 
that's what I've been wanting to ask you guys for ages. I keep forgetting. It's like, when you guys binge watch Gilmore Girls, mm-hmm. do you watch the intro every chunk? We haven't actually binge watched Gilmore Girls together yet. No. Wow. But I feel like we would sing it and harmonize to it because Ellen knows the song very well. But for with other other series we've done, like the Our Word, we totally skip past that oh, bloody theme tune. Oh, worst theme tune of all time. All this time. is the way, wow. it's the way that we live. Uh, and uh, what else is a horrible Ella. theme song? I love Downton Abbey's. Except, oh no, I'm not going to go into spoilers. We've stopped watching it for a while because something atrocious happened. But other series... Never kill off people's faves. Never kill them off. I've heard that happen. Ruins it. I've started reading this series called The Wicked and the Divine, and it's like about... Oh, have I told you about it? Like gods that come back to life every 90 years yeah, for did. two years and they will come back as like pop stars I'm sorry Wade no I'm jealous because I haven't really read it I haven't okay. read it yet because it's not in the can I talk library. about things I like or yes you can <laughs> thank you I did try to get out for you and but like you, all the characters you like will die just inevitably it's basically like the Game of Thrones but in right. comic book form yeah <laughs>
Yeah, yeah. definitely. And then so he leaves, you know, all dejected and everything. And then he gets to the stoplights and, and then he actually turns his car around and goes back because, of course, you know, it takes the man in the relationship to persuade the woman to get back into a relationship with him. And I thought that was absolute shit. Um, and so very annoying. Even after she says no as well, eh? Like, she says, like, I've actually worked really hard to stop no. obsessing about you. Yes! And I've started dating other people in a really good space now, so I don't, I'm not interested in you dredging this up again. Yeah. No and means like, no. Yeah. But then he's like, oh, I'm going to drive off then. No, I'm going to do U-turn, turn around, and then... Because we're meant to be together. Because yeah. I decide we're going to be together, even though she's just said no. And he literally says, I'm going to fuck the shit out of you. Please let me fuck the shit out of you. He pleads with her to bloody have sex with him so he can prove to her that they're meant to be together. It's just ridiculous and it's really triggering and it really fucked me off. It's like, fuck the shit out of me. That's the um, end of the film. That's awful. Right, yeah. I know, it's so shit. I just, well, it's things like this that bloody extend that stereotype of masculinity, um, being able to just, you know, go in there and, and persuade people, you know. Adam Scott's the one that wants to fuck the shit out of her. I think he doesn't seem like the right kind of character for that role. No, and he's like a bad boy who can't be tamed, and that's why he doesn't want to get in a relationship. He gets with Megan Fox, of all people. That does not work for me. And John Hamm is on it, playing horrible John Hamm. So I would expect John Hamm to maybe be that character. <laughs> John Hamm is somehow worse than Adam Scott in that film. But... Wow, okay. Alright, so we'll wrap it up. If you want more High Expectations and you haven't yet, check me and Alan out on the Spacey Space podcast where we talked about another rom-com, I think, 80s. Oh, I don't 80s, know. 80s, <laughs> what would you call that genre? 80s comedy drama I say like backstabbing, backstabbing movie female called Working Girl. Working Girl. <laughs> Working Girl's a genre of its own. And you can find the Spacey Space podcast wherever you enjoy podcasts and also at spaceyspace.podbean.com. Podbean. Podbean.com. Oh, thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend. If you have any comments or questions, please send an email to highexpectationspodcast at gmail.com or leave us a comment on a post. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at High Expectations Podcast or on Twitter at High EX Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Pocket Casts, Podcast Addict or wherever you enjoy podcasts. Have a great week. I know why I'm, why I'm getting black on my hands. <laughs> Why? Complete it's tangent. from my pants. Oh, classic. Oh. And I did wash them, and I feel a bit poopy about that.